Welcome to A Matter of Principles, a podcast from the Association of Washington School Principals. At AWSP, we exist to support principals and the principalship in the education of all students. We believe strong leaders create strong schools and strong students. Principals are busy people. We know that. You know that. With that in mind, we created this podcast. Take us with you on your jog, listen to us on your commute, have us playing in your office. We're excited to bring you content that is relevant and timely. We encourage you to subscribe to A Matter of Principles wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the first episode of A Matter of Principles podcast for this school year. Today, in this first episode, I get to introduce you to two amazing people, Todd and Laura Crooks. They will share with you information about Chad's Legacy Project and a resource that you are going to love called the Mental Health Literacy Library. Hey, grab a pencil and something to write with because you're going to want to write down things from today's episode. In fact, before we even start the episode today, go to mentalhealthinstruction.org. Again, go to mentalhealthinstruction.org. You're going to be so impressed by this great resource that will be explained throughout the podcast. Todd and Laura are going to share with you not only this resource, but an amazing story around Chad's Legacy Project. Trust me, um, while you're grabbing that pencil, you're going to want to grab some Kleenex too. It's an amazing story and one that has taken tragedy and made so much good from that for everyone to benefit in the future. One of the things that I learned today from Laura Crooks as we were talking about how sometimes it can be really difficult to find resources and and, and vet curriculum and, and find ideas around mental health and how we support students and staff and our, our entire school communities. Well, now with this great resource, Laura said, it's easy now. I'm taking those three words and just want you to hear that again. It's easy now. You have access to amazing resources. You will love this episode. Thanks for joining us. Well, welcome everyone to another edition of Matter of Principles podcast. This is going to be such a fun episode. I am so excited to have our guests joining me today as we learn more about the Mental Health Literacy Library. That's right. All of you are going to learn about this great resource and an amazing story from our guests about how we got here to give you information about this cool resource. I am coming to you today from Olympia, Washington, but my guests, Todd and Laura Crooks, are coming from my hometown, Yakima, Washington. I just learned that a little bit ago, and I could not be more excited. Todd and Laura, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, man, I feel like I could just talk to you about Yakima forever, (laughs) but that's not what this is all about. So I will just say that... um, after this podcast, I probably need to get in my car and drive over and meet you at Miner's Burgers. That would be one of my favorite things to do. All right. Everyone's favorite in Yakima. <laughs> yes. Todd and Laura, I'm so excited to have our listeners hear from you today about the amazing story that you're going to share, and most importantly, about how you landed on providing this amazing resource. 
for all of our listeners today. So Todd and Laura coming from Yakima, Washington, <laughs> tell us your story. Yeah. So I'll, I'll get us started here because I want to talk about Chad. Uh, so Chad is our oldest of four kids. And uh, Chad was a very creative, smart, um, remarkable young man who struggled in school. He had some learning issues. He'd been tested several times to find out what was going on. He was one of those kids that uh, he would do really well on tests, but just not pay attention to stuff. Um, he'd get lost in his art or in his mind thinking about things. Um, you know, he had terrible grades in high school and yet he blew up the SATs to get into college. He went to aviation high school, um, at, at, as a, a Seattle public school student. Um, and he dreamed of working for NASA to, um, create different ways for alternative fuel for flights in space using black holes. Super, super smart kid. Uh, he went to the college of his choice, which was Montana State, because they have a, a phenomenal um, uh, engineering program there. So um, during school, like I said, Chad kind of struggled a little bit. He um, He was really creative in his mind, but getting it out wasn't always super easy for him. Uh, but yet he was a really social guy, really wonderful. And he went, when he went away to school, he started having more problems when he went away to the university. So in his first year, at the end of that year, he came home and, um, he just, we all decided that he probably needed to take a year off. And during that time, one day he was at work and he came home and he said, Mom, I need to talk to you about something. And I said, okay, buddy. And he said, I want to talk in private because he didn't want anybody else to hear. And we're a very, very close family. Um, and it was surprising that he didn't want anybody else to hear. So I said, okay, buddy, let's go in the bedroom. We'll talk. We went in our bedroom and he said, Mom, I have been hearing voices for a while. And now... I am seeing creatures and they're following me on the tops of buildings and I'm scared and I don't know what to do. And I thought, oh my gosh, what, what do we do? I, I am in healthcare. I have been in healthcare my entire career. I was a senior director at Seattle Children's Hospital and I didn't know what to do. So we, call, we called the crisis number and, um, and we got Chad some help. And then a couple months after that, one evening when we were talking about, you know, what was Chad going to do? Was he going to stay with us or was he going to move out with friends? Or was he going to go back to school? What was he going to do? Um, he had a psychotic break and said he um, had been suicidal uh, and was going to walk around the corner from our house and jump off the bridge. And um, But he came home because he needed to leave a note and get some things in order. And we just happened to catch him. So we put him in the car and drove him to the hospital, and he got admitted at that point for um, about a week and came home. He was home for four days and then uh, had an anxiety and a panic attack and became suicidal or uh, psychotic again, and we had to call the medics to come and get him. 
And during that time, when the medics came, they um, asked us, was he on any medication? And we said, yeah, he's on sertraline for depression and risperidol for the voices that he's been hearing. And the medic rolled his eyes and said, oh, he's got schizophrenia. And Chad had not been diagnosed at that point with schizophrenia. And it came from a medic rolling his eyes at him. He went back in the hospital for two weeks, and then he came home. Uh, when he was in the hospital, he asked us to please tell his brothers and sister and his friends that he was staying with friends. He didn't want anybody to know that he was in the hospital and that he was getting help. And that was a real sign of stigma showing up. The fact that it took so long for him to tell us he'd been hearing voices and then when it got so desperate that he'd finally been seeing things, but he didn't want anybody else to know. And then when he went into the hospital that he didn't want anybody to know he was in the hospital so we could support him. That's the stigma showing up right there. This is a kid who was surrounded by family and friends and he didn't want anybody to know. So he came home, got outpatient care. It was uh, hit and miss. You know, sometimes he would miss his appointments because he had a job and he didn't know, do I go to my appointment or do I go to work? Or You know, he didn't have money for parking. It was up on Capitol Hill. And, you know, so he didn't have, he forget his wallet at home. So he wouldn't go to his appointment because he couldn't afford parking, you know, that kind of stuff. And then in January of 2016, um, on January uh, 19th, 21st, January 21st, sorry, <laughs> uh, in early morning when it was really raining, we got a knock on the door and I opened the door because I was getting ready for work and there were three police officers standing there and they asked to talk to Todd and I. And so we, uh, I went in and woke up Todd and uh, they came in our house and they said, um, uh, we have Chad. And, and I thought immediately, oh my gosh, you know, what has he done? He's this sweet, wonderful guy. You know, he's, he's got schizophrenia. I guess people with schizophrenia get arrested. That's what I thought. Not true, by the way. Not true. Um, they do sometimes, but not everyone. Uh, but I thought, oh, I guess this is just how it's going to go now. And so we said, oh my gosh, you know, what has he done? And they said, no, we have Chad's body. And so... Then we found out uh, Chad did go around the corner from our house and jump off the bridge. And we um, know that because he left us a note and he left us his keys and he put everything in order for us um, so that we wouldn't have to do a lot of work for him. So that was sort of the start of this journey. And in that, you know, I told you I'm, I'm in healthcare and we, you know, Todd's a he does a lot of public speaking. He's, he's a connector. And we thought, how did this happen to us? You know, we have a lot of resources. Um, what happened? How did he fall through the cracks? How could this have happened? And we started talking to people. And then that's when we found out, you know, there, there are different things that are out there, but people don't know about them. And we would talk to one group, you know, of people and say, we found out about this resource that you have. Um, tell us about it. And they would say, oh, and you got to talk to these people over here because they have this other resource. And by the way, when you talk to them, can you ask them if we can get a copy of it? And we'd be like, why don't you just get a copy of it? You know, you call them up. 
And then we, we find out, oh, and then over here they have this resource. Or over here they don't have anything. And we started talking about what happened to us and what happened with Chad and telling Chad's story. And families would reach out to us saying, you know, this is my kid too, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know where to turn. Or I lost my brother, and I wish I could help. Or, you know, all these stories started coming out. And we thought, you know, we have to do better. And and we have to figure out a, a way to really focus efforts, to really bring to the forefront those things that really can make a difference and make sure that everybody knows about them and that they're easily accessible. It shouldn't be a backdoor handshake to get appropriate care. And it shouldn't be that kids have to quietly tell somebody in a bedroom behind a closed door that they're struggling and that they don't know what to do. It should be easy for people to get help. And so we've started that work. And this is a part of that work. There's been other things we've done, like the crisis number on the back of student IDs, uh, like pushing mental health first aid. But this one is a really critical one because this isn't just about teaching and supporting people who will help somebody in crisis. This is really about the students. This is about education to get rid of that stigma so that they can help each other or that they can ask for help quickly and early when they really need it and not struggle. Laura, um, th- thank you so much for bringing us through the journey that your family has gone through and for giving us a picture of your beautiful son, Chad, and for helping us realize that this resource that the Chad's Legacy Project and that your family is creating, a mental health literacy library, is so needed. It is so needed. And and before we continue on, just as a parent myself, my my, my heart breaks for you as you retell this story and I could not be more inspired or encouraged by what your family has chosen to do as a result of this. So truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And, and um, I'm just even more excited now to hear more about this and how, how this event has spurred on an amazing resource for people to hopefully not experience um, that deep sense of loss. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you, Jack. You know, every single young person is critical in this world, and they have a special place, and we want to make sure that they stay here and that they stay here healthy. Absolutely. Again, thank you so much. Todd, I know you have some things that you want to add to this as well. Well, I think Laura alluded to the fact that we're both kind of problem solvers by nature. And so when we lost Chad, we, we kind of got, um, well, not blindsided, but we were shocked at how with the resources that we had, this could happen to us because he was getting care or he was enrolled in care at least. But it wasn't back then, even, even in just the short time that's passed now, back then, there weren't the the family resources that that needed to happen but also it was a pretty short line that you draw 
from the stigma that Laura alluded to, to the lack of mental health education in schools. And I gathered the the kids a, a month or two after we lost Chad. So you guys, because they were all in the same grade, it was just that one was in a private school and two were in our, our local public school because that was their choice. And I, I asked them, so in health class, what kind of education do you have in, in mental health? What's what's going on in, in that? And what are you what are you learning in that? Because I know you've had some health class. I know that that we've that you've kind of learned a little bit about reproductive health and, and all that stuff. So what what happens with mental health? And two of them said, mm, not really anything, I guess. And the other chimed in, said, well, I'm I'm learning right now. We're, we're learning about uh schizophrenia and we've we've been doing this and doing that I said okay well you're i i understand that you're kind of an outlier because you're an ap psych right now so <laughs> that's different uh so we one of the first things that we realized was going on was the lack of education in schools for mental health and that this allowed the stigma to, to kind of flourish and grow in middle school and high school so that it was set. When, when kids leave high school, they, they have this ingrained stigma and it lasts their entire life. So we, as a society, intended or not, view mental illness or have viewed mental illness as perhaps a, a weakness or, or something that we just can't we can't pull our, our up from our bootstraps or should be able to. Uh, and we get lost in this notion that mental illness is different from physical illness and that it it is more of a weakness of character than any kind of physiological or other type of type of disorder. So we realized education was really super important. So we spent a couple of legislative sessions in Olympia trying to move mental health education forward in schools. And it it died every time, or it became a staff support rather than a student support. And while the intentions were fabulous in in the legislature, moving more counselors into schools and, and all of these other things, it was flabbergasting to us that we weren't actually asking schools to do what they're chartered to do, which is to teach. We were, we were becoming a place where schools were, were the primary behavioral health organizations. And they were trying to provide services and layer on the things that they already are, they're already supposed to be doing. But we weren't asking them to do that. We weren't asking them to teach. So after, after a lot of iterations of asks in a legislative session, we realized that at least in, in Washington state, a mental health literacy mandate is, is not going to be a win. But what we could do was we could create a resource that would be attached to the Office of the Superintendent of Public Instruction that could say, here's some things available that you can, 
use to, to teach, uh, if, if you so choose. It wasn't the ask what, that we originally wanted to have, but it was the ask that we knew we could get a win for. And, and uh, in the session that started in uh, January of 2020, we, we moved through a budget proviso for OSPI of $75,000 to create this library that would live at the OSPI website that would say, here is a mental health literacy library for you to, to use and, and vet and, and do the research to make it really easy. And we celebrated a huge win. But then COVID happened and a budget crisis in Olympia happened. And a lot of these little small projects that, that got uh, passed in the legislature as either provisos or as bills got vetoed on the governor's desk because it became March 2020. And it was clear that those things were going to have to wait for more critical crisis items. Not that this isn't a critical crisis item, right? So at that point, we had just wound up a big fundraising event and we had some some funds to, to work with, and it didn't look like some of those funds were going to be able to be used for the in-person things that we had planned for 2020. So we, we called up OSPI and said, so who would be doing this work? And they said, well, the, we usually contract that work out. Okay, to who? Washington, University of Washington Smart Center usually does that work for us. So... They said, ah, great. Okay. I know them. And we reached out and we said, OSPI was going to do this work with you. We want to do the work with you and we'll pay for it. So we contracted with the Smart Center and it it uh, started 16 months worth of work. And and the, the why behind this, Jack, as you can imagine as an educator, if nothing like this exists, and you want to teach mental health education in your school as a teacher or a principal or whoever you might be in the building. The question is, how do I find it? So you go in, you Google mental health education or mental health literacy, and up pops a bunch of stuff. And you might get through two pages worth of Google searches and pull up a bunch of stuff and go, okay, now I'm going to compare this stuff. So uh, I've got two screens, so I can pull up at least two of them here and, and look at this and compare. But this one, I can't really even tell what they talk about. And this one, I need. I know my principal is going to ask me, well, is it evidence-based? So I have no clue on this one. They don't talk about evidence-based stuff. And I'm not sure what, what learning standards it meets and, and all of that stuff. Finally, they choose a curriculum out of, the, out of the 30 articles that they pulled up on the first two pages. And they go, okay, I want to do this. And then it's, okay, well, how do I get this? And now I'm starting to think about how it even gets implemented. And all of a sudden, the bell rings. Oh, forget it. 
I, I don't have time. And they move on and they do something else. And it becomes so cumbersome to search for something like this that it just simply doesn't happen. It's tough enough to add a curriculum into your programming day. It's even harder to find something that's effective where there are no, no tools to tell you whether or not it's effective. So that's where the idea of the Mental Health Literacy Library came about. We wanted to have educational experts find curriculum and presentations that followed certain guidelines and, and, and definitions of what mental health literacy is. We wanted to target middle, middle school and high school because that's where the crisis really begins. And we wanted to go directly to that crisis point and help teachers address that. So we asked the Smart Center to go out and find anything that qualified in the guidelines of mental health literacy and then match those up with learning standards at OSPI and, and develop a list of stuff that they could, packets of information that they could send to me. I could build this website and create a resource where a teacher now can go to one website, look up all of the stuff that's been vetted and available, compare it on a quick reference guide, go back to the specific page of a particular presentation or curriculum, learn about the specifics of that one, they can even click a link and go to the evidence behind that program and click a link to go further to the study that feeds the evidence of that program. They can go as deep as they want to or as, as surface level as they want to. But in 10 minutes, they should be able to compare everything that's on the website and determine this is what's right for my school. Click the link, go directly to where they can get the the curriculum or get the training for the curriculum and get started instead of hours worth of web surfing on the couch only to find out this isn't working. I'll, I'll wait. And, and that's where we've been. Now we're here and now it's easy to search. It's easy to implement. There's even an implementation guide that the smart center created just for this website that gives it is so resource rich, it's incredible on how to implement a program. This is about implementing mental health literacy, but they can use this implementation guide for anything they're doing, even to adjust what they're already teaching. So the stuff that they've created for us is just, it's, it's impeccable. That is so exciting. And I'm, you know, AWSP is huge fans of the Smart Center. We just believe in their work. We partner with them often, and they provide so many needed resources to so many different types of organizations. But, but the what, what what you just described is exactly what educators and school leaders need to hear. Here's a resource. Someone has done the work. It's vetted. I can get to it quickly, and I can access the information I need in a timely manner. You know, everyone's busy. School is starting up. Last week, this week, next week, students are coming back to campus, and there's nothing more important than educators being able to find things quickly because our students can't wait. 
Our students can't wait, and teachers need the information to share it with the students and to feel solid themselves about how they can continue to support the entire child and each and every child, whether it's math or reading or whatever that is, and their social-emotional well-being. It's so important, and if there's anything that people have learned through this pandemic is that the social emotional well-being of everyone should be at the top of our lists should be at the tip top of our lists and how we support children how we support ourselves as adults is so important early yeah. in the pandemic i remember hearing um an a multi-tiered system to support experts say gosh when this is all done let's be ready for a trauma tsunami that what's the most important thing right now is that we are ready to receive and welcome back our students, understanding that their mental health, their well-being is the top of the list as we welcome them back to our buildings. And So I, thanks for that. Yeah, I, I want to underscore uh, one thing regarding this project. Uh, and, and I often joke, I say, a funny thing happened on the way to the library. <laughs> where I, I mentioned early that, that this was going to be an OSPI resource. But because we kind of took the ball and, and ran with it and worked with the Smart Center with a more national-facing focus, it has become a resource that OSPI will use. But this is a national resource at this point. And this is this was informed by the need that we see here in Washington State. But there is nothing about this resource that is a limitation beyond state lines. Good. That this is a truly a national resource. Well, I mean, of course it is. And of course it needs to be, right? And so we're we're fortunate that that you are both in our state and it could, you know, we have this connection with you, but this is beyond borders, right? Mm-hmm. This is yeah. just helping, helping where help is needed. Yeah. So Todd, Todd and Laura, again, this is such a great resource and it's just a really incredible story. What do you want educators and school leaders to know about this literacy library? What do you want them to know? It's really, really simple. Uh, and it's just three words, basically. It's easy now. If a teacher or a principal wants to implement a long-term curriculum in their programs at school, they can do that. If there's something that comes up and there's a crisis in a school and somebody has to implement quickly a program for teaching students, they can do that now. Uh, if they want to have an assembly or a presentation to help with students and teachers, they can do that now. It's super easy. I, I'm just imagining school leaders that are listening to this podcast right now, and they are scribbling so fast on their piece of paper. I got to <laughs> have my so. counselor. Oh, I hope so too. But I can see already the the list being made. I need to introduce my counselors to this. This is going to be at a staff meeting. I want to make sure all of our our staff know about this resource. Sharing it in a newsletter for their entire school community to know that this resource is there. Uh, everyone's looking for support in all of the 
the demands placed on schools and and classroom teachers and school leaders. And we want to have the right answers for families. We want to have the right answers for students. And this helps us get closer to those answers quicker. So um, again, our students can't wait, right? Our students can't wait for us to, to know more so we can help them. And this Mental Health Literacy Library is is the thing that will be very helpful to school leaders, school staff, entire school communities, entire school communities. So I, I want to ask you a question, both of you. In your eyes, the Mental Health Literacy Library will be a success when, finish that sentence for me. I think when teachers are accessing it, and uh, again, I want to just... Uh, we haven't said it, so I want to say it right out loud. Where you can find it is at mentalhealthinstruction.org. Mentalhealthinstruction.org is where you can find all the information. So uh, it'll be successful when teachers are accessing this and being able to easily implement in their schools um, that mental health literacy is in schools everywhere uh, and that mm-hmm. students are seeking help uh, sooner. We know that people with um, who are in mental health crisis have had symptoms typically six, year, six years um, before they actually go to seek help. So wow. we can get help sooner. We get teachers uh, accessing it and implementing in their schools. Um, that will show success. And I think the other part is you know, having programs reach out and say, we want to be part of the mental health literacy library and being able to vet that, to have more research to show this is what actually works and let's get it to the kids. Um, that Those will be signs of success, which are a part of the mental health literacy library. We know it's only as good as it is today uh, right. and that tomorrow it will need to continue to evolve and we are in this for the long haul. Oh, my goodness. Uh, For those of you listening, we are doing all of this on a Zoom call, and you don't get to see the faces of Todd and Laura, but I do. And the smile on their faces when talking about what the success would be, uh, it's just, it's making me so happy. Uh, This is such a, this is so fun for me today to meet you and hear about this great, great project. So thanks, and Laura, thank you for telling people how to find it. Uh, Probably should have done that way back (laughs) at the beginning, but good. Thank you for that. So that's mentalhealthinstruction.org and how excited we are for people to go there. I I, I also know that as people are listening to this, they're thinking, wow, what could I do to support Chad's Legacy Project? Maybe they're going to want to know more about that. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that the the biggest thing is really to go on and and look at the website to spread the word about it. It's really important people know that this resource is out there and that it's used. It's it's a phenomenal resource. It will continue to grow. Um, and uh, I think spreading the word is really important. The other thing is that it does take funds to keep up stuff like this. We're, we've learned really quickly that, you know, you can ask for governmental funds, but if you wait for governmental funds, sometimes things don't happen and things need to happen. And we need to make this easy. So if people, you know, have people that they hear about who want to know how do I give to mental health, they can talk to them about this kind of a resource and that um, they've got anybody that they think, oh, this would be somebody who really wants to help with this kind of a project. Let us know. But Mm -hmm. mostly it's really to access and tell everybody about this resource so that they can look at it and they can use it themselves. Where would the two of you suggest a school leader or a classroom teacher or counselor, where would they go if they had more questions? 
Well, they can simply go to the the website. There's a contact page. If they have questions uh, regarding the library, they can simply submit them there. That's probably the easiest way because they're already on the website and they they can shoot a, a line out to us. Right now, it goes directly to us. Someday, it'll go to a, a paid administrator for this website. And um, yeah, I think that's the easiest way to, to reach out. They can Again. also go to Chad's Legacy Project and sure. reach us that way too. But really, the mentalhealthinstruction.org is the way to do it. Oh, we're, at Chad's, we're at chadslegacy.org. Um, okay. But if they're already on mentalhealthinstruction.org, that contact page feeds to us at the moment until we have somebody to kind of watch that for us. I would say though, Jack, we do get, uh, we get a lot of people reaching out to us, wanting us to put their curriculums on this website or their pieces of information. I joke about this. And so I, please take no offense if this is your uh, business, but uh, we're not yoga with goats for mental health. These are evidence-based programs in teaching students. So we get a lot of people reaching out with things that, that, that you know, are clearly important to them. But for us, really trying to keep this evidence-based has been critical. So there are many things out there, but we're really trying to focus on some key things that will really prove to help students. So Todd and Laura... We, we've heard about the project. We, you told us what it's about, how to access it, where to find it. But what's next? What's next for this great project? Well, Jack, plain and simple, it's just growth. Uh, okay. We, we chose to stay focused in this project and and direct our attention to where we thought the the crisis point was going to be most effectively addressed, where stigma begins to, to grow and, and flourish in middle school and high school and stop that so that we could try to, to eliminate that delay from first onset to, to care and to try to create a, a network of peers around somebody who's struggling instead of a network of judgment. So we focused on mental health literacy because that is the most appropriate uh, curriculum or, or, or program for that age set. Uh, it is kind of a higher level piece without going into, say, Psych 101. It's, it's kind of an abbreviation of, of Psych 101, but it's extremely important to help a student understand what is happening to them or what is happening to their friends. But there's so much more to mental health education. So what we want to do is take that beginning focus and branch out to, to a comprehensive mental health education website that would include social emotional learning, which typically would happen prior. Uh, it would typically happen prior to mental health literacy. And then mental health literacy would build on those, those tools that were provided in SEL. 
And then there's no reason why we couldn't have a separate section for suicide prevention that's devoted to suicide prevention. Uh, substance use disorders is a, a different topic. Sometimes it has to do with mental health literacy just because someone might be self-medicating when they really need a different kind of medicine or different kind of help or professional help. So substance use can be mental health literacy, but oftentimes it is a different topic and we'd like to, we'd like to offer that too. So we see mentalhealthinstruction.org as being this huge umbrella of a website that whatever mental health topic a teacher might be looking for, they can find it there. And, and Laura alluded to uh, reaching out to friends to talk about the awareness and, and also philanthrop philanthropic groups that might be looking to support something like this. We're going to have to start all over in investment to make those other growths happen. We're going to need to hire somebody to manage this process because Chad's Legacy Project is 100% voluntary. Uh, the work that Laura and I do is, is not paid. We'd like to pay somebody to, to manage this, this website for us. So those are, those are all things that we hope to find. We hope to find grants. We hope to find supporters. And we hope to find new curriculum and programs to add to this website. And I would just add that we've started to do some cultural appropriateness with the um, curriculum so that if there are certain programs that are more effective to certain populations of kids uh, having that ability. I know one of the programs is uh, has been taught in um, a Native American uh, school district and really connecting teachers who may have um, students of a certain background or um, need with other teachers who've already implemented those programs, I think is also something that we really want to have on that resource so that there are mentors for each other that could talk about how did they do that and what were the issues for their particular students. So that's also really key is to make sure that it's appropriate for the students that are being taught. And if there are special populations who need some, you know, different kind of curriculum based on their background and their need, uh, that is also include will it is a little bit now, but will be even more included in the literacy library going forward. Yeah. Wow. The the future of the library and the project is just so incredible as you look down the road and where, where you both hope that this ends up and continues to grow. Todd, you said that. It's about growth. And I just – how exciting for, for everybody listening to know that we have a great resource now, but wow – we have plans for even more and more and more, and people can get involved in that and 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 help that grow into into the the library and the project that you are both envisioning. Fantastic! Again, I'm going to thank you for for all those people listening that are in the school system. Thank you for that. Yes, so many things are 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 good and can help and and all of those things. But however, as an educator, I'm going to need to know if I'm going to go to this site. It is exactly what you just said. It's vetted. It's evidence-based. And we know these things will be helpful. We know they will be. So that's really important. And and this entire time I've been able to talk with you, I'm just realizing that, that the two of you are just so rooted in creating these deep sense of belonging 
for people and to let them know that they are okay and that we will help them and that as pe when people know more they can do more when you know better you can do better and so this entire library and project is helping all of that along and students coming back to the classrooms right now just need to know that they're loved and that they're cared for and no matter what they're dealing with they can tell someone about that breaking down the barriers breaking uh breaking away the the stigma attached to mental health is so important so we can have the conversations soon and early where we can provide the support the health, the knowledge, the resources, all those things that are needed. So just a, a huge thank you to both of you for introducing our listeners to the, to the library, to Chad's project. Um, I feel really honored that you would share your story with us, that we can now learn about this project. And we can't wait to to connect with you again and watch how and learn how it's grown and learn what's being happening throughout the entire state and nation with this great project. I just feel like our listeners just got to they just hit the jackpot. They just hit the jackpot. They they found a place where they can go and get information that is needed right now. Todd and Laura, thank you so much for joining us today, taking time to share your story and the project with all of our listeners. This has been a fantastic time for me. And I just can't thank you enough for being with us today. Thank you, Jack. This was really an honor. And, you know, just a quick word that this isn't about us. This is about all of us together. And so we're just so honored to be able to partner with people like the Smart Center and yourself and the teachers and principals out there who have these students who need all of us and who we want them to be around. So thank you so much for letting us join you. For us, it's been extremely gratifying to see an idea become work and then become a work product. And we're so thankful to you for helping us get the word out on this because we wouldn't know really where to go after we hit publish on that website developer and, and get it all done beyond just putting it out on Facebook. So so to have your support in this is monumental for us. And and I, I know I speak for Laura when I say that we've both been really excited about this opportunity. Yeah. So again, go to mentalhealthinstruction.org. Fantastic. And Todd and Laura, I hope this is the first of many conversations as we get to experience the growth of this great resource for all of us. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. To catch all of our episodes, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can watch AWSB TV and our other great video content. If you have ideas for guests or topics you'd like to hear about, shoot me an email at david at awsp.org. We'll do our best to make it happen. On behalf for all of us at AWSP, we hope you tune in again.